just you and me, Brother Mohan, this morning. Hopefully there's some more people come and join us. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you just bless today, Lord, as we go through your word. And Lord, understand what's talking about in First Peter. Pray that we'd have a better understanding of what First Peter had to say for the Christians uh, of the early church. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you just please bless our church. I pray that we all have a, a diligence and desire to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Just a quick review over what we did a lot last week. Um, Got to get there first. Okay, so just a kind of quick review. Who was the author of First Peter? Peter, correct. He was also, there were some other names that was given to him, Cephas, Simon, Simon, Barjona. Uh, he was first in the list Peter, of Peter, James, and John, of the beloved disciples. He was mentioned 210 times, where Paul was only mentioned 162, and all other apostles was uh, only 142. What was the date of the... Thing of First Peter. Do you remember? 65 A.D. to 68 A.D. was probably about the best uh, time period. The theme for First Peter. Good morning, folks. The theme for First Peter would be victory over suffering, and we find that suffering was written 16 times, whereas grace was written eight times. The purposes for First Peter. There was two purposes. To first, to give encouragement during suffering and to exhort to Christian living. We talked about that last week, the importance of uh, encouragement given while we're in suffering. A lot of times we go through things and sometimes we don't understand why. Uh, this First Peter is a book written to help us to be encouraged during our suffering, through our trials, through our tribulations. So that's something to keep in mind. And secondly, the second purpose of the book of First Peter is to exhort to Christian living. Uh, I gave the example last night or last week was exhorting. What does that mean? What would you consider exhorting to be? You don't know? What do you think, Mohan? What do you think exhorting means? All right. To admonish, to encourage, to uh, help, to persuade through speech, to get someone to get to the point where they need to be. And that's exactly what exhorting to Christian living means. A lot of times as Christians, our purposes are what? Sometimes they can become uh, partial towards the things of the world and partial to the things of God. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So the understanding here is to get us to do those things that are going to get us to live the Christian life. Get us to the point where we understand that that's the only life to live and not to be a double-minded man. Uh, the, the fifth point that I have here is uh, First Peter was carried by Silvanus or Silas. Uh, we also know that it was written from Babylon, uh, but not the Babylon that we know, uh, the small city in Egypt, but the Babylon, the Euphrates rivers, which is also considered Nineveh. Did you need something? Okay. All right. So then I gave about five points last week what suffering is, and we'll go through these real quickly just to kind of review. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, 
Okay, we find in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 2 through 7. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being what? Much more precious than of gold. Good morning, Brother Lewis. That perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we understand that the Jesus Christ is one us to get us to the point that we're looking forward to something. Right? What are we looking forward to? Becca, what are you looking forward to? Going back to school, right? What are you looking forward to as a Christian? The coming of Christ. He says it's only for a what? A short while. Okay? It's not forever. We're going to go through things in this life that are just going to knock us on our rear, our tushes. Right? You like that word, didn't you, honey? You smile when I said that. Tush! <laughs> Knocks us right on our rear ends, okay? We are going to have things that are just going to knock us for a world, okay? I know I'm using some phrases there. I don't know if they're easy to translate. But I'm trying to get a point across is that our suffering is only going to be for a while. I think about some of the, if you ever get a chance to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you look at some of the things that those martyrs went through, you find that they, they sang hymns. They glorified God. How can someone that is, that is going through suffering, I think about burning in a flame, in an open flame, someone tying you at a stake and burning you right there. Can you imagine what pain it brings to you? Or someone taking meat and making a coat of meat on your body and sending you out to a pack of wild dogs. Can you imagine the pain that that person went through? How can someone that goes through such pain, such suffering, still sing glory to God? They realize it's only for a short while. Jesus Christ is coming. And for others, he might come sooner than later because some of us will die sooner. Okay? I look at my life and I, I'm only 34 years old. And I think uh, today is my 20, uh, me and my wife's uh, 10th anniversary. I almost said 20. Uh, 10th anniversary. And I started thinking about the last 10 years and how fast it went by. It just seemed like yesterday, you know, I was getting married. And yesterday I was having... Uh, my daughter Chloe, and yesterday, everything just seemed to happen. And the verse that came to mind that uh, our life is like a vapor. When we look at what Jesus Christ does for us, 
and how short of a time that we have here on this earth. We really should be considering, eh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit compared to what? Eternity in heaven. Suffering is what? A few things. First of all, it assures us that we are God's children. Secondly, it is good for us. And I'm not going to go to each scripture perverse, but I'm going to give you those if you want to write them down. First Peter chapter 4, 17 through 19. I did, we did turn these last week. I'm just kind of reviewing this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 13. That's to the reference points. It's good for us. Thirdly, it will make us enjoy Christ appearing more. I talked about this last week. How many's come across a difficult situation in your life, and you will say, "Oh Lord Jesus, come today, come quickly." I used to say it a lot during college. Oh Lord Jesus, come! I don't want to take this test. Lord Jesus, come today. Fourthly, Christ is glorified when the believer suffers patiently. Think about it. The example, the testimony you are, when you are nothing but kind and sweet and patient, even though you're dealing with suffering. Um, after we had this Sunday school lesson, I talked to uh, uh, Mrs. Z, and I was telling her, I says, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm not. I'm sad to see that you're going through this suffering. Uh, one of the things I told her, I says, it's good to see your sweet spirit during this time. I mean, I know she's going through a lot, not with, just with the cancer, but she's going a lot through with her husband. She's dealing with things, but she has a what? A sweet spirit. How many times have we gone into a circumstance that makes us want to blow up? Right? You're dealing with something, and it's not going your way. you got the kids yelling over here. You got if you're if you're still in your your mom and dad's home, you got something going over here with mom and dad. Maybe it's a brother or sister, whatever it may be, and it just seems like you're overwhelmed with your sensory, and you just can't handle it anymore. And you get mad, you get angry. God doesn't want that. God wants us to be patient. He wants us to be kind. He wants us to be what? Tempered when we're going through suffering. Tempered means. Um, uh, an illustration would be like when you take metal, okay, and uh, you put it in fire. It hardens that metal. Okay? It becomes what? Tempered. So it can withstand lots of heat or it can withstand lots of cold. That's what tempered means. Does that help, Lewis Jr.? So this idea here is that Christ is glorified when the believer suffers patiently. Sixthly, it cleanses us from sin. When we go through suffering, just like Job did, what is the first thing we should say? God, what do you want my attention for? What am I doing wrong? And there's two verses for this. Um, first Peter chapter, I'm sorry, first Peter chapter one, verse five. First Peter chapter two, verse five. And ten, and First Peter chapter four verse one. We went over these last week. I'm not going to repeat myself. And the last point is it gives us a chance to testify because it makes us associate with others who suffer. Imagine for a second, whatever pain or problem you're going through, 
One person is going through it without Christ. One person is going through it with Christ. Can you imagine the difference that person deals with with Christ compared to without Christ? What's the difference? Well, you've got somebody that's really got someone to help them, to carry them along. You don't have to depend on your own strength in order to be able to overcome the suffering. Instead, you pray and ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, please help me today. Whatever it may be. I don't know what suffering everybody deals with. But everybody has to deal with suffering. It's part of being a human. And even more, it helps us as a Christian. It helps us to be a testifier. So when someone else is going through the same thing and you have the same type of suffering, how much of a witness can you be to the unsaved person? Look what Christ has done in my life. Whether it be finances, whether it be your health, whether it be relationships, whatever it may be, Christ is glorified through your suffering. All right. So that was all last week. This week we're going to talk about the content of First Peter. Um, a, God's grace and salvation. So let's turn to First Peter chapter 3. Some of you are already there from where I turned there. I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed where revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold than that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our of Jesus Christ whom having not seen ye love and whom though ye now ye see him not Ye believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them. That they that have preached the gospel unto you, the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. So first of all, we're going to talk about we are living in hope. We're living in hope. We think about hope. We think about the importance of it and how it deals with our lives. Um, I can't imagine living without Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved at the age of 12. But I, don't, I can't imagine dealing with my adult life without the great hope that we have through Jesus Christ. No matter how hard or harsh my life may be, I can always look back to know that Jesus Christ is there. And all I need to do is return back to him. And he will restore uh, the help, the um, power that I need to live my day-to-day life. Um, what does a person that doesn't have that? What if, what happens when they run out of their strength, their own fleshly abilities? What do they do? 
Well, they commit suicide. Why? Because they've given up. The great thing about a Christian is that no matter how tough, how rough your life may become, what happens? You turn back to Christ. You ask Him for help. Do Christians commit suicide? I believe they do. Because they forget the very power that they've given from Jesus Christ. I think sometimes they do run up and they forget about the great hope that God has given them. And why does it happen that way? Could be they're out of not having their devotions. Could be they're not coming to church. Where do they lose their hope? It's because they're not being faithful to the things God has already given them. Whenever we turn our backs on God, that's a death warrant for us. What do you mean death warrant? I mean you're literally destroying your Christian life. And eventually it could destroy your physical life as well. Christ wants us to trust in Him. He wants us to hope in Him. Am I going too fast, Oscar? Okay, I'll slow down. So we find here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, a couple things. First of all, we are living in hope because we have taken from death to life. Turn to, or go to verse 3. Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath what? Begotten us again unto a lively Lively. I don't know how that translates in Spanish, but let me give you a definition of what lively means. Lively is the idea of vigorous, living, acting. Okay, let me repeat those. Vigorous, living, and acting. Those are th- That's three words that define lively. My little girls are lively. They're vigorous, they're living, and... And they're acting. There's not a dull moment in our household. Why? Because they're lively. I'll tell you something that's not lively. This pew. It's dead. It doesn't move. Well, unless you're really fat. If you sit down, it might shake a little bit. Okay? But let me tell you something. It's not lively. Okay? We as Christians, we have, should have a what? A lively hope. What does that mean? It's active. It's what? Vigorous. Right? Some Christians don't have a lively hope. It says here, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can try to muster up excitement. There's a lot of churches that do that. They have program after program after program after program that tries to muster up ah, this feeling of euphoria. Okay? Liberal churches will come in and they'll have the, the trap set up here. Okay? They'll have the drums. They'll have the guy playing the guitar, right? I'm not saying the guitar is wrong. Just saying that it's played wrong. It will be wrong, okay? Uh, they got the singer up there singing his, uh, his worldly tune. And everybody's, ah! Right? What are they doing? Are they mustering? Is that Jesus Christ that's in them? Or are they mustering up something through the flesh? When we have a lively hope, it becomes what? It becomes our drive. It becomes our feeling. It becomes our actions. Lively hope means that you're not just... It's not just something that you think about when you come to church. It's something you think about from day to day after day after day. You get up in the morning, the first thing you think about is what Christ 
and Christ's church. Right? What you think about when you get up in the morning is Christ and Christ's church. What are you not understanding, brother? Christ's church? Christ died for it and gave himself for us? Okay. Christ's church. Is this Christ's church? Okay. So Christ's church, meaning the church of Christ, Christ's church. It's, maybe I should just be a little bit more uh, prepositioning. Oh, Christ's church. Got it? Ah. I'm really worn. I don't know what it is. Did you know, guys know that I've been married for 10 years? Did you know that? 10 years. i got five kids to prove it. Amen? How does that happen? I don't know. All right, here we go. And now we've got what? A lively hope. What does that mean, lively? It means vigorous, active. It means something that you think about from day to day. It's not something that you're just going to come to church and think about. It's not something that you're just going to come to church and think about. It's something that you're going to dwell upon. Dwell. I'm going to have to get that wireless mic, even if it is today. All right, so we find here in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse 3, we find, what does it say? Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant, abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Oscar, does that mean born again? Mercy hath begotten us again. Yeah. We are born again. We're no longer of the old flesh. And we're going to have something more important to live for. Money will eventually not satisfy. Lust of the flesh, immorality will eventually not satisfy. Things of this world, worldly goods, eventually will not satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is what? The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. The great hope that God has given us. Secondly, not only are we living in hope because we've been taken from death to life, but secondly, why should we be living in hope? Because we've been taken from rags to riches. Verse 4, what does it say? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I, my wife, we've been going through our stuff. I've been, as some of you that came over for Thanksgiving, uh, I redid my basement. So we've, we've kind of lost some storage space because we're using some of the storage space that we were using for living space now. So we've been slowly going through and eventually we're going to get through of all our junk. Praise God, someday we're going to get through it. But I remember going through some of the stuff and I'm, at the time when we got it, whoo. It was so important. How many's been there? You had to have this. If you didn't have this, life would just stop as it was. Right? And now it sits at the bottom of a Tupper uh, Rubbermaid container that's been sitting there for five years. 
What happened? Was there a difference? Yes. It wasn't important, was it? Right here in verse 7, I'm sorry, in verse um, 4, it says, To inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and this is the point I want to get across, that fadeth not away. When we as Christians live by faith, guess what? The desire for Christ doesn't fade. There's an, the desire for Christ doesn't fade. Okay? We have an importance as Christians to live for Christ. But when we're actually living for Christ, guess what happens? The desire should get what? Stronger and stronger and stronger. If it doesn't, what happens? Yeah. When the kids sing this song. How's it go? It says, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. The opposite of that is that you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. When you're living by faith, your goal should be, hey, I'm going to do God's will. And guess what? I'm going to do it until God just continues to strengthen me. It's not going to fade away. So we know that we're living in hope for those two reasons. But why are we living in holiness? We are living in holiness. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read 13 through 21. Holiness. Araceli, what's your definition of holiness? So here we go. We have holiness. According to your definition, it's through Jesus Christ, Lord. We don't have any holiness on our own, do we? Can we be holy? Can we be holy? Be holy as I am holy. Right? Okay. So holiness is really what? George, good to see you too. Right? I got it right, right? It's George, right? All right. You either can call you Jorge or George. Okay. All right. I used to work with this guy at uh, one of the, uh, the Great Escape, and his name was Heine. And we used to work with a guy that was, he was English speaking, and he was always, his name was George. And Heine would always go, Jorge! And that's always stuck in my head ever since then. Jorge! Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Okay. Holiness is what is a driven factor done by Jesus Christ. We have no holiness on our own. We borrow Christ holiness, right? Be holy as I am holy. Don't be just doesn't stop at Just be holy. It says, look to Jesus Christ for your holiness. If you do, if you have your own holiness, really, what are you doing? You're no different than the people in Israel that said they did what was right in their own eyes. The Bible says that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. Okay? So in a sense here, we are living according to Christ's holiness. Let's start in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up your loins 
of your mind. I love that verse. <laughs> what is it saying? What do you think, Oscar? What does it mean to gird up your loins? Yes. Girding, what they used to do in the uh, Old Testament, um, they would fight. If you've seen, ever, how many's ever seen a Roman centurion? Okay, they had this long. Um, it was like a protective armor that kind of, like, it looked like a little spears that would come all the way around and would protect their thighs. Okay, I guarantee you. Have you ever seen a lady in a straight skirt try to run? <laughs> right? I bet you girls have done that, haven't you, Liz? Huh? <laughs> right? That's kind of what happened with those Roman soldiers. Their, their, their armor would prevent them from running. So you know what they would do? They would yank them up a little bit. Okay? They'd cinch the belt and they'd run. Okay? What does it mean to gird up the loins of your mind? I love this verse. You know why? It's telling you, put the big boy pants on. What do you mean by that? You're no longer a little girl or a little boy in your Christian life. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. How do you say sober in uh, Spanish? Sobrio. Interesting. What? Sobrios. Okay. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. In your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. So, really, what is he trying to say here? Holiness comes from Christ. You're called a what? Search the sea. You're called a Christian, right? So Christians are to be what? <gasps> oh, there we go. As you can kind of force it out, you know. Holy. I feel like I'm, when I'm teaching my daughter how to read. According. Uh, Yay! Holy. And it says here in verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. You had, as a, as a person that was in the world, someone that would what? You, were, you had certain desires, certain tastes. But what should your goal be now? Let go of those tastes. They were tasty. But listen to me. You are now a Christian. You are now living by faith. That's why repentance becomes such an important thing for the Christian. Why? Because if you're not willing to turn from your sin, really, what are you turning to? Nothing! Right, Oscar? Think about that for a second. Brother, Brother Lewis even preached on that a few years or a year ago or something like that. You know, this idea of people get up and, oh, I'm saved. Great. What are you doing now for Jesus Christ? Well, I'm still doing the same things I was doing before I was saved. Wait a minute. There's something wrong here. Verse 14, it says, as obedient children. Listen to me. My kids should want to please their daddy. If they don't. I have some kids that I very easily, there's some kids in our church. They don't listen to me. For what? Why? They're not my children. I can tell them to do something. Who are you? 
Now, some of them do that out of stuff out of respect, but they're not my children. I've even had one of them tell me, you're not my dad. I know, but I can't talk to your dad. Listen, we are to be obedient children in the sense that we are going to do things because we love our Father. Verse 15, but as He has called you holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16, because it is written, be ye what? Uh Uh-oh. Holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. What is He saying? What is He saying? Do you deem what Christ eventually is going to judge you for your works? As a Christian? Do we really fear Him? It says here that we are to what? We are living in holiness because of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Turn to verse seven, chapter verse 17. Yes, verse 17, chapter 1. And if you call on the Father, who without respect to person judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed, oh, here's a good verse, Oscar, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation. Have we memorized this one yet? It's a good verse. Received by tradition of your forefathers, or fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. You could easily hope. You could easily hope in what? Your flesh. You could easily hope in your job. You could easily hope even in your pastor. But it takes work to what? Hope in Christ. You have to be, you have to what? You have to take care of your mind and not be so partial to the things of the world. Partial to the things of your flesh. You have to hope in Jesus Christ. We are to what? We are living in holiness because of sacrifice. Without Jesus Christ, what would happen, Brother Lewis? Would you be, could you be holy? I hope you, that's a good answer. What do you think, Mohan? Could you be holy without Jesus Christ? So many Christians lose that perspective. They lose the fact that Christ is really the basis of their life. You miss church just because? Really, what are you saying? I don't need Jesus Christ to be holy. You're not obedient, children? You're not doing God's will? Guess what? You're saying, I don't need Jesus Christ to be holy. Is that what God wants you to be? Or does he instead say, hey, I want you to be holy because I'm holy. I want you to hope in me because, because what? I'm holy. Your holiness comes from Christ's sacrifice. Secondly, not only are we living holy because of sacrifice, but because of love. You think about what Christ did on the cross. Not only did he sacrifice, but he had great love for you. How many, this is the gift giving season, correct? How many has gotten a gift from somebody and it was really nice? And yours was pale. 
in comparison. And you kind of go, oh, I've got, <laughs> I've had that happen a couple times. Um, wow, this is nice. Um, here's your gift. Right? <laughs> you got the sheepish look on your face. <laughs> Listen, we love Christ. And you know what? There is no greater love than what Christ gave us. Right? Hi, Brother Eddie. I'm Miss Sophie. There is no greater love than what He's done for us. And we are to live holy because He's what? We have nothing to offer. Except what? What He demands of us, doesn't He? He demands for us to what? Love Him! We are holy because of Christ's love. We in return should do the same to Him. Christ, we love who? We love who? We love Christ because He what? First loved us. And gave Himself what? For us. Alright. Moving on. i got about ten minutes. God's, we are living in hope. Secondly, we are living in holiness. But we are living in harmony. Oh, three H's there. What are they? Huh? Hope, holiness, and harmony. Okay, here we go. Ready? First Peter chapter twenty or one verse twenty two, two through ten. First Peter one verse twenty two. Two, um, sorry, it's actually just First Peter one twenty two, and then it's First Peter two ten. So we'll read the first one. See, ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Uh-oh, got a big word here. Unfeigned. Unfeigned. What does unfeigned mean? Sarah. You're looking at me like I got two, two heads. What does unfeigned mean? You don't know? Come here. Sarah, I'm going to use you as an example. Okay. Uh, Steph, uh, let's see here. Which one does Sarah not get along with the best? Oh! <laughs> Don't matter, huh? Okay. Stephanie, she's the oldest. Oh, Naomi. Come on, Naomi. All right. <laughs> oh, is this what i got to look forward to? I'm already seeing evidences of it. These twins, they're hilarious. All right. You ready? I want you to say the nicest thing to your sister. <laughs> just say the nicest thing. I mean, it's just, just say it. Oh my goodness! I almost want to puke on that one. That was so fake. Oh, all right. Did you really mean it? <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! It was pukey. Okay. Thank you, honey. Come here. You know I love you, right? Yeah. You know what? I love her. And you know what? There's nothing anybody else can say no, okay? She's beautiful. She's wonderful, okay? Now, there was feigned love, wasn't there? Yes, I like you. You're my sister. 
Because mom says if I don't, I'm in trouble. Whereas I love my wife. Nobody's telling me to love her. Okay? Nobody. Well, Christ is. But nobody in this world is telling me to love her. Nobody's got a gun to my head and saying, you better say it. Right? Feigned means what? Ready? Here you go. What do you think, Sarah? What does feign mean without you telling you? You're wearing some lip gloss, aren't you? <laughs> All right. Feigned. What does feigned mean? What does feigned mean? Come on. Yes. Fake. She's correct. What does unfeigned mean? What? I heard you, Liz. Go ahead. Tell me again. Real. Sincere. Right? See, this is stuff that you, when you guys are studying your God's Word, you need to find out what the unfeigned means, okay? It's important stuff. So it says unfeigned means I am not going to be fake about my love for you guys. It should be my unfeigned, my unfake, my real sincere love for you as Christians. It says here that in verse 22, see that you love one another with a what? A pure heart fervently. What does that mean? Pekka, what does it mean to have a pure heart? Oh, the latest, the latest phase or thing for little girls now is what? Frozen, right? And Anna, and yeah, I couldn't even believe it. My daughter came up with the name for Anna and Elisa's town that they live in. Elsa, I'm sorry. Sorry, see? Elsa and Elise. She goes, Anna and Elise. Oh, okay, forget the names. I just wanted to give a point here, okay? Sorry. I didn't know they were that important. Right here, she's like, they live in Arendale. I looked at them and said, where was Jesus born? Right? Okay. So, I don't know how I got on that subject. Okay, pure, pure. I was talking about pure. Uh, the two ladies in the story, I don't remember their names, but they had pure love for each other, didn't they? Okay. They have pure love. She sacrificed herself. It says here that we are to what? Have a pure heart fervently. What does fervently mean? Fervently means what? Intense. Earnest. Okay? You as a Christian are desiring to love each Christian in here to the point where you're sacrificial. You see a need, you feel a need. Right? Amen? You see a need, you fill a need. Because you what? You love the brother. It shouldn't be that people in this church should go without food. You know what? I've had people in this church give my little girls clothes. Now, I don't think they're suffering for clothes. Praise the Lord. We got that covered. But, I have people give me clothes and we're thankful for it. They saw a need and what? They filled the need. How are we to be? We to love our brethren what? Fervently. Turn to First Peter chapter two and verse ten. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had obtained mercy, but now but now have I'm sorry, not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So, as Christians, what, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be living in love. We're supposed to be living in word. And thirdly, we are supposed to be living in consecration. When you're consecrated to something, what does that mean? 
Okay, that would be sanctification. Consecration, I think, would be a that would be a good way of saying it. Yes. Concert, she says, set apart. Okay. Everybody agree with that? Consecration? Being set apart? I would say more devoted. Okay? Consecrated. When you're consecrated to something, you're kind of more devoted to it. Okay? When you run into... And I'm not saying... I'm not, uh, Ms. Sophie, you're correct. I think you're correct as well. But what I'm trying to say is when you are consecrated to something... You are completely devoted. There is nothing that can turn you aside. Some of you men, um, I don't know if, I was never a big fan of sports, but I hear that when men sit down to watch a sports game, their wives cannot get them to deter themselves from it. They can sit down and watch a sports game, honey, honey, honey. And all they're doing is, right? Okay. Some of you can relate to that. Uh, My wife. What did you do yesterday? I had no idea you even came downstairs. It's working on something. I got my wife gave me a new watch for our anniversary. And I had to take some links out. So I was working on it and I was really highly motivated to get these out. And there was something down on my desk. She came to my office, took it off, and I said, Did you get the thing that you needed? And he said, Oh yeah, I got it. Don't you remember? I came in the office and got it. And I'm like, I don't remember you coming down at all. I was really devoted to what I was doing, wasn't it? I was what? Consecrated toward getting that watch fixed, wasn't I? When we as Christians are set apart, as Miss Sophie said, or we're consecrated, guess what? We're going to what? To the brethren. We're going to love them. And the, the only thing we can think about, are we going to be cheating with the things of the world? No. Are we going to be cheating with uh, when there's time for church somewhere else? No. Are we going to be consecrated to coming here and being faithful and doing the things? Why? Because it's our brethren. Do we want to discourage them? No. We want to what? Encourage them. We are going to be what? We're going to have harmony with the Word. We're going to have harmony with each other. And we're going to have harmony through consecration. How are we going to do those things? Like I said, the first one in Word. Okay, let's go back to First Peter chapter First uh, Peter chapter one and verse twenty-two it says, "Seeing that you have purified your soul and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently." What is it saying? It's saying, listen, when you've given and surrendered and consecrated and separated and sanctified yourself through Jesus Christ, let me try that again. You ready? When you when you're consecrated, when you're sanctified, when you're set apart. Through Jesus Christ, what are you obviously going to do? Are you going to take away from the church? Or are you going to give to the church? It's a good question. Every Christian should ask. What am I doing now to help Christ and Christ's, Christ's church or the church of Christ? Okay. Is that better, Oscar? Okay. All right, I'm out of time. But the importance here is to know, as in First Peter says, it says we should have what? Oh, good grief. It says we should have what? Harmony and love 
and in word and in consecration. Okay? Those are the three things that we're going to have harmony through. Love, word, and consecration. All right, three words. So what are we going to have? God's grace and salvation. We are living in... Say it together. We are living in... No, not holiness. We are living in... Hope. You got the first, second one right, Miss Patty. We are living in hope. We are living in what? Holiness. And thirdly, we are living in what? Harmony. Okay? And that's all in the first uh, content of 1 Peter. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Brother Eddie, would you close us in a word of prayer today, please? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs>